Well, I've had the, the thumbs up from the balcony from the team up there, so thank you, team, doing the sound and the Zoom and uh, the computer. And welcome to everybody uh, to our, our service this morning. Um, yeah, it's good to be together, even if you, you can't be here in person, to those on Zoom, those in the building. Um, it's just really good to be together to, to fellowship, but most importantly, to worship God and to hear from him. Um, we're going to be starting a new series this morning, our uh, summer series in Psalms. Um, not all of the Psalms, I hasten to, to that. <laughs> that would take more than um, just the summer period. Um, I haven't actually been uh, asked to give any notices, but I, in a minute there's something that Martin wants to uh, speak about and uh, Abby too. Um, it's not possible uh, within a, a church to publicize, if you like, every single person's birthday. We, we just you know, can't, can't really do that. But I do know that somebody had a particular birthday yesterday. Am I right in thinking that, Nigel? So happy birthday to Nigel Rutland. And um, Pat, is, it's her birthday today, so happy birthday to Pat. So we're going to sing to both of you. Um, yeah, and um, Sarah assures me the convention is that the name that goes first is the one whose birthday came first, so that's Nigel, and then Pat. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. Um, just to say there's a there's a prayer meeting tonight. Yay! So six o'clock next door in the lounge. Always a wonderful time of encountering God. So be here tonight at six o'clock. We're going to be praying into the third principle of the seven principles of growing churches, which is about um, uh, evangelists tonight. So um, Come out tonight, come and pray for an hour, and you'll have the best time with God, I promise you. So with that, I'm going to hand over to Abby. Hi, everyone. Hi. It's so nice to see all your wonderful faces. Um, just another quick announcement. We have a summer worship night. So it'll be similar to, well, pretty much the same as what we had in there. Um, last time and this is just a time and a space for us as a family to worship Jesus to kind of communally enjoy his presence and also give him our presence for that kind of evening time I will leave the leaflets by the front door but it's Saturday the 15th of July and it's at 7 p.m. Um, and we'll as always we'll have the flags and the instruments and everything else so we can just have a joyous evening of being a family and praising Jesus. Amen. Thank you. And speaking of flags and instruments, if there's anybody who would like one this morning, the flags are there, the tambourines and other instruments are at the front, so do feel free to come up and, and take one. So. I've been fortunate uh, over the last two weeks to have spent time on holiday in Scotland and yeah, just... I've seen, 
I've seen rivers, I've seen seas, I've seen lakes uh, or lochs. We were at, uh, <laughs> staying on, uh, on uh, Loch Tay. I've seen mountains. I've been up sort of nearly 3,000 feet just seeing a 360-degree panorama of hills and mountains everywhere you could see. I've seen woods and forests, um, and it's just been amazing. And you can't really help but remember who created all of these. And the song that just kept coming to me was, Oh Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder and all the things that he has made that we can look out on. And um, I don't think we experienced any thunder, but everything else that's in that, that yeah. hymn, yeah, we had. Um, although, I, yeah, bird song, although I do have to say that when I was lying in the middle of the night in Elgin awake because I couldn't sleep because of the seagulls. Um, <laughs> And then when we were followed down the street, just this far away from a seagull, because we were carrying a bag of rolls, you know, so very threateningly with this, you know, oh, horrible looking beak, you know. Anyway, I wasn't actually thinking then about the birds singing sweetly in the trees. Um, but for the rest of the time, yeah, it was just wonderful to, to feel the, you know, feel awe and wonder at the creation and at our God who created all that. And so that's the, the um, hymn that we're going to sing, uh, start with and then you know, move into just further songs, um, How Wonderful Our God Is.
It's falling from the clouds 
said to Jeremiah, Cursed is the man who puts his trust in other men and whose heart turns away from the Lord. 
Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water and doesn't fear when the heat comes. The boastful will not stand before the Lord, but will be blown away like whirling dust before the storm. The Lord is good. He judges the world with righteousness. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. He knows who are his. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Is there an interpretation for that tongue um, that we heard? If you feel God is giving you that interpretation, please speak it out. Worship me with spirit and with truth. Worship me with all of your heart. nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in our Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. We bless you for your continuous love. Even when we mess it up, and the garden of our life looks untidy, we think of it, you love us. Even more to make us more like you. So do today what you want to do. Make the garden of our life more beautiful because we focus on you in adoration. will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Lord, our, just, our hearts are just overflowing with thankfulness. Thankfulness for your creation, for your holiness, for your love for each one of us. We've sung that we're so unworthy, yet still you love us. And that is so true. And we just thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. I wonder if we could take up the offering, please. Father God, the material blessings that you give to us are, are just one other thing to add to the never-ending list of reasons to be thankful to you. And we do thank you. We thank you for what we have, and we joyfully give back to you um, what has come from you in the first place, Lord, for you to use. As you, as you choose, Lord, not as we choose, but as you choose. Amen. If you were here at the beginning of um, June, you'll know that um, once a month we're going to be focusing on a different um, mission, um, a mission focus. This month it's on the Trussell Trust. And I know, I'm, I imagine you're all familiar with food banks. Um, you know, we collect food here for the food bank. We've got people in the church who, who work at the food bank. You go into supermarkets and you see, um, you know, bins for you to put things in when you've, you've done your shopping. 
Um, so we're, we're just going to, to watch a, a short video clip about the work of the Trussell Trust. I lost my job. I was in a really bad way. I was struggling to meet the bills, just feeding the children. I was going without food just so that they yet. The first time I used it, um, I was really anxious, really scared, didn't know what to expect. I thought that I'd let people down because I was having to ask for help. I'm quite a proud person and I don't like people to think that I'm struggling. But yeah, it was, it was hard to do. Over the recent years, we've seen more and more people coming to food banks for emergency food because they can't even afford the basics. And the pandemic has pushed even more people into extreme poverty. Churches are vital to the work of food banks. They open up their buildings, donate food, provide volunteers and leaders, and show amazing care and compassion to people who need emergency food and support. And we'll continue to work together to provide this support for as long as it's needed. Food banks are doing an incredible job, but no one wants to have to use a food bank to be able to feed their family. And it isn't right that so many people are needing to. It's so important that food banks don't become the new normal. All of us depend on other people for our well-being whether that's our families, friends, employers, businesses or public services. And what we see at the food bank is that often it is people who have the least in our communities who are most affected by the decisions we make as a society about things like benefits, housing and employment. Unless these decisions come to better reflect the principles of dignity and compassion, justice and community, we will continue to see people being trapped in poverty and unable to enjoy a fuller life that Jesus intends for us all. As Christians, we need to be seeking justice and advocating for change, as well as showing compassion to people facing a crisis. So at the Trussell Trust, we want to work together with food banks, with churches, with communities, businesses, local and national governments for a more compassionate and just society where no one needs emergency food because we all have enough money for the essentials. That's why we're inviting you to join us in building a hunger-free future, a future without the need for food banks. that um, sparks are going to go out to, to their group and we'll have a, a further time of prayer for the Trussell Trust. Loving God, thank you for your love and kindness. You are a God of mercy, justice and compassion and yet we acknowledge that these qualities are not always reflected in our lives, in our community and in our society. Help us to respond to suffering, poverty, and hunger in ways that usher in your kingdom, to see people as you see them, to share your loving kindness in the darkest situations, 
to challenge injustices that trap people in poverty, to build a future that sets people free so that everyone can share in the fullness of life that Christ offers to us all. Amen. So it's time for Sparks to, to go upstairs. And we'll see you later. So um, Trussell Trust put together a, a PowerPoint of prayer points, which um, we've adapted slightly um, because there are a lot of them, um, but they, they will appear on, on the, the PowerPoint here. And then there'll be a time um, for us to, to have a time of open prayer. So thanks, Quentin. So the prayer points covering people in crisis who need to use a food bank, the food bank staff and volunteers, partnership and support, and a future without the need for food banks. So one by one, so people in crisis who need to use a food bank. Pray for the thousands of people who need to use the food banks in our network each week. Pray that each person would feel valued and cared for, as well as receiving the food and support they need. I know that you're not going to take all of these on, but even if just one you know, sticks in your mind, that, that, that would be good. Food bank staff and volunteers, thank God for the 30,000 volunteers throughout the UK who support the food bank network and for their dedication and compassion. Pray that God would strengthen them, protect them, energize them, and use them to impact lives with love, kindness, and compassion and then partnership and support. Give thanks for the generosity of businesses, churches, schools, and individuals who donate supplies to the food banks in our network to help people in crisis. Pray for a continued sense of shared vision and purpose as we work together towards a hunger-free future, a future that's without the need for food banks. Pray for the fulfillment of our vision for a future without the need for food banks. Ask that God would inspire individuals, organizations, and communities to get involved in making this a reality. And this is a further point. Pray for creative ideas and fruitful partnerships and that we would see churches, individuals, communities, businesses, politicians, and public servants coming together to build a hunger-free future where no one goes hungry. And of course, we, you know, we can also pray for, for government policy um, you know, in, in this situation. So back to that uh, second slide there, then the prayer points under the categories. So praying for people who need to use the food bank, for the staff and volunteers, for the partnership of churches and individuals, and for a future without the need for food banks. So I'm just going to invite you now, as, as you feel led, to, to pray on, into some of these issues. As I say, I know we can't pray into them all. You won't possibly remember them all. But hopefully there is something that has um, touched you that you would like to pray, um, pray about. Jesus, just remind you 
you had compassion on the crowds when you saw them. You saw the crowds as people who were like sheep without a shepherd. And Lord, you fed them with your word, you healed the sick, you taught them, you invited them to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus, you also gave them food to eat. You multiplied the five loaves and the two fish so that everyone in the crowd could eat. Jesus, thank you that you care for our physical as well as our spiritual needs. And Lord, we pray for multiplication and blessing on the food bank down the road at Adelstone. We thank you, Lord, for those from this church that serve in that food bank. We thank you for all the donations, Lord, that come from this church to support that food bank just a mile away. Lord, we pray your blessing on this work, that people would be fed physically with food. But Lord, we pray also that through the witness of Christians working there, that Lord Jesus, people would come to know Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the networks that you're already creating in this area through those who use the local food bank, through those who draw on the services of Bereavement Cafe and Beesome, Lord, through those who come through our doors here with Let's Do Lunch. Lord, we thank you that you are reaching out to those who are seeking you. And we thank you, Lord, for the way that you want people just uh, to come to know Jesus and to find fullness of life. But we pray, Lord, that in some amazing, miraculous way, you would use these networks, including Food Bank, to draw people into relationship with you as we seek to build relationship with them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. those in charge would make the right decisions lord that the cost of living crisis would recede lord that people would have more money in their pockets so that they can afford to buy the things they need to buy the people who come to food banks are not those who would just like a few extra um, luxuries lord they're the people who really can't afford anything they've paid their bills they've paid for their house they've paid for everything but they've got no money left for food lord and the distress on their faces is heartbreaking and for people from Ukraine, Lord, who come in, who don't even speak the language, Lord, their faces are also very distressed and heartbreaking, Lord. There is so much need in our community, in our world, Lord. And I do just pray for that day when food banks are no longer needed and people in our communities feel supported and looked after, Lord, by those in power and those around them, Lord. Amen.
Father, we acknowledge that money is tight in all sorts of areas, and that includes our national government and local governments, Lord. And there is so, or there are so many calls on the limited finance that, that there is. And so I just pray, Lord, for, for wisdom for those in public office, um, whether it's Westminster, whether it's in the devolved assemblies, whether it's in our local councils, Lord, pray for wisdom and compassion in deciding um, where that money is to be spent, Lord. We pray against any waste, um, anything that the money should not be spent on, Lord. And we ask yeah, that even if they don't know you, that you would guide those who make these decisions, um, guide them according to your principles of love and compassion for, for those around us, Lord. Amen. Amen. So thank you, Inika, for drawing our attention to, to these resources. If you want to know more about the Trussell Trust, they do have a website. And um, I'm going to drop the minute, but I, I dare say that Sally or, or Brenda would be willing to talk to you about. Yes, yeah, I, I just picked you two because Barbara's not in the, the service. But yes, Barbara Walden also. Um, so yeah, we are very thankful for what you do. and. Um, yeah, so if you want to know more about the work, um, hopefully they would be able to, sorry, or volunteer, yes. <laughs> so thank you, Quentin, for the, the PowerPoint. So as I said, we're starting a new summer series, and we're starting right at the beginning of Psalms with Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And thank you, Marilyn, for the lovely depiction of that, that verse. So, Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the preparation that you have led Martin into throughout this week. And we pray that as we want every week, Lord, we want to hear from you this morning. Um, we want you to speak into our hearts and our minds and our lives, Lord, that we might hear what you want us to, to take away from this morning, what you want us to do. And we ask for your blessing on Martin as he comes to speak to us. Amen. Thank you, Alison. Um, so uh, Psalm 1, um, I've called this uh, Two Ways to Live because that's what it's about. There's only two ways to live according to Jesus. There's a narrow path, which is difficult and costly, 
and there's a broad path um, which many more people take which is much easier uh, or at least on the surface is easier um, but I want to show us this morning that uh, it's well worth walking the narrow path I say that because hostility to Christians is growing in our culture um, this book recent book by um, Stephen McAlpine it's called being the bad guys uh, he's deliberately crossed out good and he's put bad there um, at one time in our culture Christians were only seen as the good guys um, now we are increasingly being seen sometimes as the bad guys um, the truth is in my experience it's both actually um, we are often seen as the good guys when it comes to serving the local community food bank let's do lunch and things like this we're all highly respected um, but when it comes to some of the difficult teachings of the church we are often seen as the bad guys um, teachings of Jesus are not always popular you probably notice this but it's important to say it the culture is not going to think we're good in every respect because they don't agree with some of the teaching of the Bible and they will see us as the bad guys whether we like it or not fact reality so let me give you a scenario that Stephen McAlpine in this book I recommend you get this book by the way it's a great book it's based on the life of Daniel and his friends in exile in Babylon and he talks in here about what it's like to be a Christian today in the workplace particularly um, but I want to give you a scenario that he gives that is becoming more and more the reality for Christians particularly in the workplace he I quote so you go into the office for work one day and everything has changed well not everything your office chair is the same your inbox contains the all familiar to-do list it had on Friday the coffee is still the same but something is different you can feel it in the air then a directive comes down from HR the company's social policy is being recast to enable it to enable you to promote the LGBTQ plus community more positively a senior LGBTQ plus consultant has spent six months with your HR department aligning its strategy with performance appraisals the charge well the company has been rewarding the wrong people and that is going to change your ne next contract review will in part be determined by pr your promotion of the new equality and justice campaign this is a real scenario by the way he's not making this up it's also a financial campaign since companies that refuse to positively promote equality are bound to lose out on the pink pound ethical investors are asking hard questions before deciding where to put their money this could be a big deal for your company. You've long been a diligent and honorable employee in the political maelstrom of the office. You've been a faithful witness to the gospel in word and deed. You wanna see your office flourish and your company do well. And you especially want people to be drawn to Jesus. You've championed liberty and justice, but this? Meanwhile, on Sundays, your pastor exhorts you to be bold for Christ in the workplace. I don't come out very well of that, out of this. <laughs> he says, what is there to lose except your reputation? Your job, that's what. What could a pastor possibly know about life in the world out there on Monday morning? Fair, fair comment. 
He is blissfully unaware of office culture, how hostile it can be to your faith and how suspicious of the Christian ethic it has become. Reality check, folks. This is becoming more and more the reality. Or take, I'm sure Sarah won't mind me saying this, take the teacher on the front line. How many of the books now on the reading list are two men or two women in a family relationship? You know, um, it's a reality. Teachers, people in offices are finding that their faith is coming more and more into a clash, a conflict with the culture around. So how do we, how do we act in this scenario? I'm not going to solve this particular dilemma for you this morning. I'm probably not the best person to do that anyway, because I don't have a real job, do I? <laughs> Thank you. But I do recommend you get and you read this book. If you're a Christian worker, or even if you work in a secular context um, as a volunteer, get and read this book. Um, he talks about how to be like Daniel and his friends in a hostile culture of exile. We're now in exile as Christians. The, the value system that we live in is no longer lining up with Christian values, whether we like it or not. Reality check. And this will become more and more of an issue. So one approach could be just to go, okay, I'm, I, I, you know what, I don't want to hassle life. Uh, I'm going to keep my head down, go with the flow, and just kind of blend in like a chameleon Christian. That's one approach, right? Keep your head down, trouble-free life, I'm going for comfort, pipe and slippers Christianity. Trouble is, the Bible doesn't allow us to sit on the fence and compromise when it comes to our faith. There's only two ways to live. One of them is a narrow road where there's going to be persecution and hostility and loads of blessing, by the way. And the other one is a broad road that leads to destruction. And many are on it. So which are you going to choose, one or the other? There is no third way of compromise, right? Doesn't exist. In scripture, it's not there. This is the sort of question that Psalm 1 is addressing. How to live as a faithful Christian, walking the narrow path through life, facing hostility and being faithful to Jesus where you are. Now, okay, you're saying to me, Martin, this is totally irrelevant. I'm not, no longer at work and I'm glad I'm retired and I'm not going back to work ever again in my life. Hallelujah, says Sam, says Paul. Hallelujah, Paul. You have friends, family members, brothers and sisters in Christ in this church who need your prayers, who are in this situation. Please uphold them and pray for them. Please. Those who work in the civil service especially will find this kind of reality. Um, and so will many, even in a business context. Teachers are facing this every day. Lots and lots of workers are facing this situation. So what do you do, just cave in and compromise? No, the, the psalmist would say there are two ways to live, narrow path, broad road, which are you gonna take? 
And he's encouraging us to take the narrow path by telling us that you will face hostility, but you'll be blessed in bucket loads if you take the difficult route, right? You'll be blessed in this life and in the next. Now, hear me right, just in case you're thinking, I have it in for the LGBTQ plus community. We are called to love our neighbor, right? Called to do good to those that we disagree with. We're called to love our neighbor, but that doesn't mean that we have to agree with everything that the world teaches with its values, right? We're called to love people, respect them, be kind to them, generous towards them, but that does not mean as Christians we have to agree with all of the ethics that are out there in the world. That is not love. There are going to be points where we are at hostility to the culture, and this is one of them. But we're called to love people, respect them, nonetheless. It's a tricky line to take, but that's the one that we're called to as Christians, to be in the world, but not of the world, right? Okay, so there are only two ways to live. You can't sit on the fence, you can't compromise. You either walk the broad road or you walk the narrow path, which are you gonna choose? That's the challenge this morning. I hope you choose the narrow path if you're a Christian. And I hope if you're not yet a Christian, you will invite Jesus into your life and you will start to walk on that narrow path this morning. Right? Um, three ways that Psalm 1 encourages us to walk the narrow path. First, the godly will find delight in obeying God's laws and commands. Second, the godly will be blessed while the wicked face judgment. Third, God knows everything and will care for, protect his own and reward them. Three brilliant reasons you should walk the narrow path. So number one, let's have a look at it. The godly who delight in God's law will be blessed. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. To be blessed means to be approved of by God. If you are a Christian, you are approved of by God because of the cross. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You are approved of, God has poured out his love onto your life through Jesus. He gave the best gift, his son, for you, because he loved you. So God approves of you, whether you feel it or not. Sometimes we feel approved of, the sun is out, and we're smiling, and uh, our team is winning, all right? And the world is as it should be. We've got a big smile on our face. We feel God's blessing and approval on us, don't we? We experience it. We feel it in our being. Some days we don't feel God's blessing so closely. We don't experience it. Um, we're, we're living through difficult circumstances. The sun is not shining. And yet the cross tells us that God's approval is still on us because God still loves us because he gave us his son, right? So we are blessed whether we feel it or we don't feel it, we are still blessed. When you don't feel blessed, look at the cross. God says, I've blessed you by giving you my son, whether you feel it or not. But to enter into and enjoy the fullness of God's blessing, we need to meditate on God's word day and night. Now, does this mean that we don't do anything else? Well, of course not. You'd crash your car. You wouldn't get much work done. 
You wouldn't have any conversation with people if you were just sat there with a the Bible all day meditating on it, would you? It's a, it's a, it's a mirrorism. It's a saying which frames the day from its beginning to the end. And it's saying that we should take God's word with us into the day, right? Um, I, sorry, I keep banging on about this, but it, it's brilliant and you should do it. Um, the Bible in one year, Nicky Gumbel's Bible in one year, wisdom reading from the Psalms, Proverbs, Old Testament reading, New Testament reading. Take, what I love about this is you take God's word with you into the day and you can bring it to mind through the day when you need it. For example, um, we put James 1 verse 19 up. Uh, Quentin, please. Is he still there? Oh, here he is. Hello, Quentin. <laughs> thought you'd gone to sleep. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. We all get angry from time to time, and we're all tempted to lash out in anger, verbally or otherwise, aren't we? Well, rather than doing that, take a moment to bring to mind scriptures that stop you doing that, that stop you exploding with anger. Here's one. Take this with you into the day. Meditate on it. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So rather than exploding with anger when somebody upsets you, take a moment to chew on this scripture and ask God for grace and gentleness to respond to the person so that you can listen and work, work out your hurt with that person calmly and rationally and rather than exploding with anger. That's just one example of how to use scripture, how to meditate on scripture to change your behavior in the midst of life's challenges. There are loads. Do not be anxious is another one, right? It's one of, it's one of my fridge magnet texts, right? Do not be anxious. Bring it to the God in prayer. We, we spend so much time worrying. We even worry when we're not worrying, don't we? We worry about the fact that we're not worrying. Well, bring it to God in prayer, everything, small, big, and medium, bring it all to God in prayer. And the peace of God, which guards, will guard our hearts. Meditate on God's word in the reality, the trenches of life, whatever you're facing, bring it to mind. And you will be blessed. You will be aware of God's approval on you. You will feel content, happy, purposeful, you will enjoy meaning. We spend so much of our lives looking at other people, don't we, and going, oh, if only I had their money or their privilege or their opportunities. Uh, be thankful you don't. I just uh, Googled some celebrities this week, found out what a depressed bunch they are. <laughs> Suicidal, depressed. So here's a few. I, I, Googled, I don't know if you do this for fun. I just Googled very wealthy but really broken and depressed people and up on the list came lindsay lohan kendall jenner christian stewart cara delevingne the late amy winehouse justin bieber selena gomez lady gaga natalie Ambrulia, keanu reeves the list went on and on and on some of these people have committed suicide already some of them are in therapy. Some of them have been through therapy and are still unhappy, but they've all gone, they've all on Twitter or magazines or social media saying how miserable they are. Why? 
because they don't delight in God's law. They're the wicked, the sinners, the mockers who've rejected God. Um, you know, Bieber has been in and out of faith, hasn't he? I'm cynical, <laughs> to be honest, with Bieber. Not sure where he is, but these people are messed up, broken, because they've rejected God and his law. They've got everything that the world can offer, and yet they're broken, they've got nothing. So don't, don't envy and cover after other people's wealth and opportunities, because it might just be the thing you don't need, the thing you least need. You see, this banner tells us if you want life, if you want to flourish, if you want to bear fruit and have green leaves and be happy, plant your roots in streams of water, in God's word and in God's Holy Spirit. See, all of these celebrities, they may on the surface appear to have everything, but they're lost, broken, empty. And Jesus says, I've come that you may have life, life in all its fullness. The world, people out there who don't have Christ are feeling there's something missing. There's a hole in your life. It's like you haven't quite found what you're looking for. Well, that's because you need Jesus. Jesus is the reason that you're here. He wants to know you. He wants you to come to God. He wants you to experience the joy and blessing of knowing him personally. So I'd, I'd plead with you this morning. If you are someone who has not yet come to know Jesus, invite him into your heart today. Find a Christian and ask them to pray with you to invite Jesus in because Jesus wants you to know fullness of life. And you can be blossoming, flourishing in life like that tree there. You don't have to be broken and lost and groping your way through life. Jesus wants you to flourish. Uh, second, the godly will bear fruit and prosper. Um, I love this picture. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit, its fruit in season, and his leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The godly who meditate on God's word and draw from the Holy Spirit will be happy in the deepest part of their being. They will flourish. They will bear fruit for God. Their leaves will always be green. They are planted beside irrigation canals that never run dry. So whatever season this tree is in, winter, summer, spring, because it's planted by an irrigation canal, it's always bearing fruit and its leaves are always green. And that's what the word of God and the Holy Spirit will do for you. There is never a bad season for the Christian. You can always draw on God's life-giving spirit and word to, to enable you to bear fruit and to prosper and flourish. Jesus puts it this way, John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So how do you remain in Jesus? He tells you, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. So if you want to experience joy and love and God, do the will of God. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. We don't seek happiness and blessing in and of itself, do we? We seek God and we find happiness and blessing as a byproduct. If you go chasing after happiness, you won't find it. Right? 
The world is chasing after happiness in the wrong places, and it's not finding it. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things, including happiness, will be added to you as well. Jesus offers living water. The world, the wicked, are drinking salt water. It's doing them no good. Jesus offers us water that satisfies for eternity. Um, you will prosper and you will be blessed if you do the, work, the will of God. Doesn't mean you won't have trouble. Doesn't mean you won't ever get sad or frustrated or disappointed. But it does mean that you will know God's approval and God's deep security and peace and blessing on your life. It means that you will bear fruit with the gospel. You will be an example, a godly example to others of what it means to follow and love Jesus in the face of adversity and struggle and suffering. And that is a great inspiration. Do you know who I thank God for in this church? It is all of so many godly people in this church who suffer all kinds of ailments and struggles and yet still love Jesus. What a gift those people are, aren't they? I thank God for you all because I'm inspired by your example. Life continues to throw stuff at you and yet you still turn up on Sundays and you're praising the Lord. That's wonderful. That is called bearing fruit and prospering and flourishing. And I thank God for each one of you because you inspire me. You really do. I know there are difficult days. I know there are dark days. I know you don't always feel like, like that, but that's what you do for me. And I want to thank you for that example. Jesus didn't say you'll be blessed and you won't have any trouble. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but you are blessed. Look at this, Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. That's an upside down way of seeing the world. When you get insulted for being a Christian, rejoice because you're on the Jesus team. Rejoice because you'll walk in the narrow path. Rejoice because you're not compromising on the truth. Rejoice because people are recognizing that your life stands out as a light in a dark world. Rejoice because God is with you in your suffering and persecution and will strengthen you. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. Having said all that, those who reject God, the sinners, the wicked, the mockers, this is what will happen to them. Verses four and five, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Have you ever been driving past um, fields that have been cut where the, the, the chaff is just blowing around in the wind and creating a kind of smoke screen of chaff? Well, that's what God is doing with those who reject him. All the people of power and influence and wealth in this world who are rejecting God will come to nothing. All of their achievements and success and wealth will come to nothing. They'll be blown away like chaff in the wind. And they'll be rejected at the final judgment. But the godly, those who walk the narrow path and follow Jesus, will be cared for, 
protected and rewarded. Verse 6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Are you beginning to get the psalmist's point here? He wants you to walk the narrow path. He wants you to know how blessed you are if you choose to walk the narrow path. He wants you to know that you will bear fruit and prosper and be blessed if you choose to walk the narrow path. So third reason, you will be cared for, protected and rewarded and the Lord will watch over you. I love this image. Watch over in the Hebrew is used of the intimate relationship of husband and wife. Just as a husband and a wife love and care for and have an intimate relationship of care and protection, so the Lord watches over lovingly caring for and protecting his people. He will meet all of our needs. He will deliver us from evil and temptation. He will deliver us into eternal life. Those who reject God in this life will be not protected, not cared for ultimately. On judgment day, Jesus' words to them will be, I never knew you, away from me, you evildoers. That's what Jesus will say to those who reject him. Now it's true that those who mock God, those who reject God's commands, those who ignore life, and there are plenty of those, do sometimes appear to have life going well. There are plenty of people in the world who on worldly terms appear to be really successful. Their lives are blessed. They've got more followers than anybody else. They seem to have it all. And yet, according to God, they'll be blown away like chaff in the wind. It'll count for nothing. Those who have it all often speak of missing something. There's a meaninglessness, a lack of purpose, a lack of joy, a lack of contentment. Well, that's because they haven't got Jesus. Ultimately, Jesus says there's only two ways to live. Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. If you walk the narrow path, you will experience hostility from the culture. If you stand on God's truth and don't compromise, you will find not everybody's going to like what you believe in. But the psalmist is saying, but if you walk this path, if you're willing to pay the price to stand up to persecution and hostility, you can rejoice because God will bless you. God will prosper you. You will bear fruit. You'll be like a tree planted beside uh, water. Your, your leaves will always be green. You will always be a faithful uh, witness, an effective witness for Christ. And you will enter into eternal life. And you will enjoy happiness in this life. I think those are good reasons to walk the narrow path. Don't you? Shall we pray? Lord, forgive us when we compromise. Forgive us, Lord, when we try to blend in and uh, we don't stand up for truth. Lord, I pray for each one of us here today, Lord, that you give us wisdom in standing up for truth. Lord, help us to dare to be Daniels, wherever you've called us to be. Lord Jesus, give us wisdom and strength that we would stand up for truth.
even when that truth is not popular. Lord, I pray for, particularly for the workers uh, in, in our midst today who are facing daily dilemmas of ethics, Lord. And I, I pray, Lord, that you, for your wisdom for them. Help them to walk this narrow path, Jesus, and to be light in their dark context, to be Jesus, to love their neighbor, Lord, but to be in the world, but not of the world, to shine as a light, Lord, in the darkness of their workplace context. And Jesus, for all of us, help us to pray for up and uplift and support those who we know are walking this difficult path. Holy Spirit, would you just give us life-giving water this morning that will enable us to be faithful witnesses for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Alison. Well, yes, God is. God watches over each of us um, because he loves us, because of the grace and the mercy that he, he shows to us. And uh, I believe Jesus was with us at the beginning of the service in our worship, and he's still here. He didn't go away sometime during the PowerPoint or, or whatever. He's still with us. And, uh, yeah, that comes out in our, our closing song, The King Who Lavishes Grace on Us Is Here. If I could just, as you're singing it, if I could just draw your attention to the second verse, because that was really what drew me to this song. And you'll see what I mean when, uh, when we get to verse two. Um, if you can stand and join in our closing song.
are with us. Thank you that your Holy Spirit lives in us and goes with us, guides us. And Lord, I just pray that you will enable our hearts to be devoted to you as, as we've sung there. Lord, may we live by the words you've said, the words that are contained in your, in your word, the Bible. May we follow wherever you lead along that, that narrow path, Lord, that leads to, to joy and blessing and eternal life. Guide us, Lord, keep us on that narrow path. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So do please join us for tea and coffee next door. And if you uh, would like prayer, then can I ask you to, to stay in the, the sanctuary and members of the prayer team will be only too pleased to come and pray with you. So thank you. <laughs>